Hi, this is Ben Bova. I've written a lot of science fiction, and I think that I've devoted my life to trying to understand the opportunities and the dangers of the future. And if you listen to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, you'll begin to understand a lot of that, too. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. As of the 2019 season, all Area 51 recordings of Sci-Fi Saturday Night are enhanced with more than seven essential audio nutrients to help augment your listening experience. Tonight, in episode 415, we look forward with great excitement to listening to people talk. On board for tonight's podcast are, sitting at the Sci-Fi Saturday Night gaming console and help desk, our own violent audio virtuoso and back alley freeform fencing champion for three years running, it's Kriana. Good to hear from you, too. Joining us, and uh, because she can, Cyborg University's preeminent reference librarian, whose current contract requires an inch of standing water wherever she goes, it's Zombrarian. Dom, did I tell you that I can't have my housekeeper cat, Army, anymore? No, you didn't. What's going on? The person who wrote the mod didn't update the mod when the game updated, and now they don't work anymore. And now I have um, wild boars instead, and it's just not as much fun. Because they don't immediately after killing someone kill up, clean up all the blood. Okay, that's just not right, then. Right? No, no, I totally agree with you. I totally, so if totally the writer of you. that mod is happens to be listening to the show, which I know they are, they really <laughs> need to update the mod so that I can have my housekeeper cats back. The end. Love Zombrarian. And me, I'm a three-card Monty enthusiast who screams, "Get off my virtual lawn!" They call me the Dome. Tonight, um, we we get to talk to somebody. Uh, in a very odd circumstance. And before I introduce who they are, let me explain the odd circumstance, uh, which may or may not be of any interest to anyone, but we're going to do it anyway. About a month, month and a half ago, uh, I got invited to this writer's conference called Writers by the Sea, which is a bunch of writers in a room close to the ocean. And people come around and talk to them in this big room. And I went because... Uh, a bunch of really good friends of the show were, were there. Um, Rob Watts was there and, and Stacy was there and, and Steve, uh, yeah. And now I've blown the name out of his, out of my head, but we'll get to that anyway. And then there were a bunch of writers that I didn't know. 
and a couple of writers that I knew kind of peripherally. And as I was talking to Steve Lomer, because that's the guy I was actually thinking of, uh, and we were talking and talking and talking, I kept looking at, at, at the woman sitting next to him going, why do I know this woman? Why do I know this woman? And the reality is that I didn't, but I thought I did because we were like Facebook friends and we, we go to the same events and we talk to the same people. And, and it's, it's, it's the curse of social media that you think, you know, people when you don't. So I got to meet her and we got to talk and I started to read her book and I started to read her series. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to sci-fi Saturday night, Artemis Crow. Hey, Dom, how are you? <laughs> Great to be yep. here. That was a, a weird, weird, weird way to finally actually meet. I know. And, and you know, of course, I didn't know you by Dom. I knew you by your real name. So right. when you finally said your real name, I'm like, ah, light bulb moment. Okay, I know who you are. Uh, but we had not met in person, nor had we really had a chance to talk. And it's, it's one of those cursing social media dumb things where we kind of peripherally know each other. We kind of peripherally know what, what each other does. And when we finally sat down and got to talk for a few minutes, I said, you know, I have never read your Zodiac Assassin series, which you're now on book three of, I believe. Four, book four. I've finished book four. And uh, you said, well, we really should read it and get to talk about it now. Having said that and having having put forth the effort, and I've got to tell you, um, the first thing about this book I want to say is it, it is indefinable. <laughs> is that good or bad? <laughs> uh, yes, actually, it is. It, well, um, no, good or bad. Which one? <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> messing with me, man. You are messing with me. <laughs> it's as I have become introduced over the past 15 years of doing this show, and oh my God, yes, it's been that long, to various genres and subgenres uh, of fantasy and science fiction and, and every other kind of nook and cranny that might possibly in, be in there as well, uh, I've come across a number of them that I've been very hesitant to deal with. And, and the first one that really... I think threw me for a loop was, was paranormal romance mm -hmm. and, and paranormal romance for me was like, hi, this is way out of my wheelhouse. I'm not going to really like, and then I started reading it and there are a, a number of paranormal romance authors that are just freaking amazing. Aren't they though? Yes, absolutely. I mean, there, there are some that I read and I go, well, that was predictable as hell. But there, are <laughs> but there are those where you sit there and you go, wow, unexpected, complex, well-written, and fun. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the genre that, um, that, that kind of direct, you know, pulled me in and inspired me. So, uh, like, one of the ones I love, I don't know if you've read this, J.R. Ward, The Black Dagger Brotherhood. No. The vampires, uh, this brotherhood of vampires on Earth, and and I I tell you people out there, if you like paranormal romance, th these are dark, these are these, these but these guys kick ass and you just love them, absolutely love them. Uh, so that was that was an author that really inspired me to to tackle writing in general. 
So, you know, here, here I am, and I got the book, looked at the book, and went, Zodiac Assassins, okay. <laughs> and five pages into it, I had no idea what was going on. 20 pages into it, I had no idea what was going on. I mean, I was getting little glimpses of, of, of worlds and, and questions and, and 40 pages in it. And I'm still sitting there. Now, I'm intrigued at this point. Okay? So there's the good news. But at 40 pages, I'm sitting there and I'm going, what the hell have I gotten myself into? But it was never enough at any point for me to go, all right, I'm in too deep. I got to go. It was, I, I'm stuck here now, damn it. <laughs> yeah, keep reading. I, then I did my job, man. I did my job. I kept you reading. You did. You <laughs> did. But I still, I'm still not sure what the hell it is. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Because <laughs> what you've done here is, is taken a couple of genres and jammed them into a kind of, well, for a first novel, first of all, this is a very long novel. Right. And it's my debut. I don't know if you know that. It, I had no idea. Yeah, this is my, first, this is my very first novel that I wrote. Because it does, it does not read like uh, a first time out of the gate at all. Thank you. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, but I, I sit there and, and I'm thinking to myself, self, this is not supernatural, but it is. This is not paranormal, but it is. This is not fish out of water, but it is in more than one occasion. This is not true fantasy. Um, and, and then I started reading about you. And this series, this novel, started out as a vampire story, and you chucked it and started over. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I decided that, you know, there's so many amazing vampire stories and series out there that once I got done with it, I thought, what is it about my story that's going to set it apart and make it special, make it worth somebody paying the money and investing the time to read it? And I thought, you know what? I can do better than that. I can do more than that. And so I chucked it and I said, I'm going to start over. And it took me about another four years to come up with what I wanted to do. And you're right. It is a mashup of a lot of different things because I enjoy a lot of different things. I enjoy genres all across the board. And I just I wanted to find something that was familiar yet unique. And um, I didn't want to be too derivative or too you know, formulaic with it so and that's what i ended up with is what you read so you you have two settings two main settings and within those settings you have multiple other things going on but 90 percent of the story takes place between the overworld and the in-between correct okay in so this, the in this the overworld yeah. is is where we are. This that's, is this is reality as we think we know it. Correct. Of course, then you go out of your way to make sure that we know that we don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> there's more to it than that than we ever thought. And, th and then there's a place called the in between that occurred hundreds of years ago, 
uh, at a seminal event in in time and and uh, prehistory. Correct. So basically, the goddess Ekate, the Greek goddess Ekate, created this subterranean world because there were so so many persecuted paranormals that they needed a place to survive. But she also created it because there were 12 uh, royal houses in existence at the time, and they were all named after the zodiac signs, the House of Leo, the House of Scorpio, yada, yada. They were humans. And Ekate's daughter, Circe, the witch goddess Circe, uh, killed the firstborn sons out of just spite. She was, she was just a nasty, nasty goddess. And the human uh, kings demanded that Ekate rise and, and give them their sons back. She, could, she resurrected them, but she could not allow them to continue to live among humans because everybody knew they died. So there was no place for them to live. So she created this world for those 12 princes that she resurrected with her own blood. And then she also allowed, you know, that's also where the persecuted paranormals went to be safe from humans. Part of me (laughs) in the first hundred pages of this book went, this is the longest damn setup I have ever gone through in my life. (laughs) Um, Then as I continued on, what I realized, or maybe I'm wrong in this, but what I think I realized is it serves the purpose of never having to set up anything ever again because everything's been laid out. You can now add and layer to it, but your basis is there. And two, and you're the one who's got to tell me this, does book two and book three stand alone or do you really need that background in order to really make it work well so yeah the setup is long but you have to realize and i hope the readers will understand this a little bit better be patient if they pick up the first book is that this is a series that's going to be 13 novels 12 novellas right exactly a huge amount of you know setup and and as a first-time book perhaps i could have done less at the beginning but i felt it was important to really immerse the reader into the story um and then have that takeoff point where we start moving forward a little, you know, faster. Um, but each book will build and more species will be um, introduced, more mythology uh, from the typical mythology we currently have, Greek, Roman, Celtic, uh, uh, Jewish, Christian, you know, you name it. I'm trying to use a little bit from everything, from everywhere. Um, but I will continue to build on known mythology as I create my own mythology and, and create and, and introduce new species and create and introduce more problems. Um, but each book I'm trying to do as a standalone, but I, I do have to say in all honesty, you're better served starting at the beginning and reading it through because you're going to miss out on some of the, myth, you know, the world building if you don't do that. See, I don't think it's a mistake to have spent the time that you did to set up your world build. I think it for something as dynamic as this is going to be that you want this to be, you need to have a firm backbone to work it from. And that first 100, 150 pages of the book moving between uh, in between and, and overworld 
and and setting things up and layering things out gives us you don't of the many questions you have you never question why things are happening it makes sense oh good good well that that's a huge compliment i i so okay. my my next question is this though in between books 1 and 2 you have a book 1.5 correct so what is and 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 that seems to be a character that doesn't really play out anywhere else unless I'm missing something. Well, let me let me explain what, I, what I'm doing. The reason I'm having so many, well, obviously the, the 13 novels is going to encompass the 12 zodiac signs, plus the 13th novel will, will be the finishing up the macro arc. Mm-hmm. The novellas, the point of the novellas is I wanted the women in the series that you meet in previous novels to have some of their story uh, told some of their backstory and some of the going forward story, because each of those women that will be in a novella will be featured more heavily in a later novel. So, in 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 for instance, um, Leona's descent is the very first novella, and she right. also there's there's the two the first two novellas are Leona's descent and Leona's cage, and the reason I did the, those two stories first was because I needed to do a big setup and, and, and explain a lot more mythology in those two books. So Leona was, is, Leo, is Lion's sister. So you meet her in Lion's Roar. And right. you learn quite a bit about her, but you learn even more in the novellas. And then, you, like I said, I introduce more characters and more, more um, mythology in those two novellas. So those are, those are not meant to be skipped. They're not fluff. Um, and whereas the novels have romantic elements, so each of the males is going to meet his mate, and he may not be 100% by the end of his novel, but he's going to be better for having met her. And so that's why, so there are romantic elements in the novels, but the novellas, no, there's not going to be a romance in those because I have too much to say and too little time to say it to have <laughs> an additional subplot of romance. But that will, like I said, those women will be featured in a much heavier role and they are critical to the series as a whole. So I wanted to give them their time and their due uh, as far as their stories. So what there's, there's a level of complex weaving here that is much like a medieval tapestry. And I think there's, there's a point at which that you're actually looking at it that way because everything stands alone nicely, but weaves very tightly into everything else. Well, this, this in-between world, now these species that I've created, I've got about a total of 21 that I've created. I've only introduced a few so far. But although that they, they stay very segregated within the in-between, the in-between is a very connected uh, world, and it, it is very expansive. So there are areas that you can go in these caves where you're very, very separate from everybody else. And these, these species have tended to do that. But um, anyway, the, the, I'm, tr- I'm trying to build this world that is connected but not. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but they, they are going to have to grow even more connected in order to survive what's about to happen. Um, so so it's, it's a lot of us. It's about connect, connectivity. It's about family, whether it's by blood or not by blood. Um, 
but it's about coming. You know, these folks have got to come together. They've got to learn to work together to survive. So you're looking at 13 novels of which you're currently working on number four. Well, no, uh, number four is out. I'm working oh. on the fifth book right now and I've started plotting the sixth book. So okay. that's where I'm at now. I've four, so I have, do you have, do you have this master world uh, design? No, I, you mean as far as a, a physical map? Well, I mean, for me, you know, if it's me, I've got a fucking whiteboard. Okay. <laughs> and my mind does not work digitally. I have an analog mind. It's the way it's always been. I'm too fucking old for this. So, yeah, I've got a whiteboard that sits in Area 51. And I literally chart my shit out right there. And yeah. it's like, I'll, I'll sit there and just be annoyed with it. But I need to have that. How do, how do you... Do you have this grand master plan? I, I have a master plan for the overall, uh, the, 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 the macro arc, the macro plots. Um, mm -hmm. I, one of the things that, and this is going to touch on a point that we talked about a few minutes before the show started. One of the thing that, things that actually helps keep me on track with the species is my Pinterest page. Because even okay. though I, I made it for the readers, but I can go back in because I've got the public boards, but I've also got private boards and I've got notes and details. And then I've got notebooks out the wazoo. And then I've got probably five whiteboards. And then, you know, the, um, the folding kind of like paper kind you can get, <laughs> I've got a freaking 20 of those. Um, but I've got notebook notebooks filled with, with information and ideas and, you know, all the things that um, anybody that's writing high fantasy, uh, one of my one of my favorite things is to refer to. And I'm remember I'm forgetting the author's name. She's famous in, in um, high fantasy circles. Uh, and she has got this like this list for world building that is it's it's dozens of pages long, all kinds of questions. And I go back to that occasionally to help me stay on track. Um, but yeah, it's, t it's tough. I, I mean, I don't know how people like Jim Butcher and, um, you know, some of these other folks that, that write the, the lady J JD Robb that writes the in death series. It's a kind of mm -hmm. a futuristic, uh, romantic, uh, romance. I don't know how they do it. I mean, they've got dozens of books and so I applaud them. Anybody who writes a long series, I applaud them. So I'm just desperately trying to keep lots of notes. <laughs> so I'm rather I'm rather analog as well, even though I have a lot of files on my computer. Um, so, which brings me to my next question, okay. which is, um, the artwork on your book covers is is uh, really beautiful, okay. very evocative stuff. Yeah. Okay, where does that come from? So I do have a cover designer for the novels. So the, 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 he, he does such an amazing job. His, his name is Derek Murphy. And wow. uh, I found him because I liked somebody else's artwork. So I tracked him down and he's doing the novels for me. And there's a lot of color and layering and symbology, you know, Zodiac symbology on it, which I absolutely adore. But I wanted to do something different for the novellas. So I actually did the novella covers myself. Really? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, because I wanted to 
make them a little more simple. So anybody that looks at my website, you'll see that the if you see a cover that is black and white primarily with just a little bit of color in it, that's a novella. You don't even have to go, like on Amazon, you don't even have to go <laughs> to the information page to see that it's a novella. That's a novella. If it's black and white with a little bit of color painted back in, that's a novella. So that makes it kind of simple for everybody. And it's cheaper for me to be perfectly frank <laughs> to do it. But I um, I really loved how the two Leona novellas turned out. Um, you know, this this woman, if you look at the first one, Leona's Descent, it's a close-up of her face behind some cracked glass. And I painted in her gold eye. Uh, and uh, But it's very indicative of her going through a really hellish uh, trip through Hades. And then the mm-hmm. second novella is also black and white where her eyes are painted gold but she's got uh, blood dripping out of her nose and, and down her mouth her chin and that is the book where she literally goes through hell so i call it my my um my dante's inferno meets a christmas carol book if you can believe <laughs> that um but anyway so so i wanted to do something a little different for the novellas so that's that's why i decided to do that and i can do a little bit of photoshop just not as good as Derek can. Derek is a master at it. So when did you first know that you wanted to be a writer? When was it that it grabbed you? Well, let's see. I was sitting on the toilet having a horrendous turd moment when, no, I'm <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, I'm, well, I'd been an avid reader all my life. I mean, I started with the Wizard of Oz series when I was itty bitty. My parents bought me all 14 books in the series. I loved the Anne McCaffrey, the uh, Dragon Riders of Pern, Ursula Le Guin, uh, Ursi books. So I kind of started out with that. I've just read everything and anything I could get my hands on. And um, But it wasn't until later. I mean, I told stories and made up stories in my head all the time. And uh, my friends, you know, would look at me weird and I'd have to stop mumbling to myself. But other than that, I kind of didn't write it down until later uh, in life. And I, I said, you know what? I can do that. I can I can do that. I can write a book as good as, as this you know, favorite favorite author. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> so I spent the next about 10 years studying craft. And I did write a, re- a medieval romance. And uh, that'll never see the light of day. And then, like I said, I wrote Lion's Roar as vampires. And that will, that, you know, that was chucked. But, yeah, I just woke up one day and I said, look, you know, I love to read. I would love to entertain people as much as I'm entertained by the books that I read. So let, let me see if I can do this. And so I just started studying and talking to writers and learning everything I could. And then I just started. So, yeah. So what's your process then? Do you have a, a ritual that you go through when you, you want to sit down and write? Uh, are, is there a certain place that you have to be at, a certain thing that you have to do? Uh, well, no, I don't have to like do a rain dance or you know happy writing dance or anything like that. Um, I'm actually one of those writers. I can sit in my, you know, my living room with my computer in my lap and have the TV blaring. And once I get focused and get going on writing the book, then I, I start writing. And there's, you know, not a lot except maybe the dogs barking um, that can get me up. But um, so for each book, uh, what I do is I'm kind of what they call a, 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 a between a pantser and a plotter. And a pantser is somebody who writes by the seat of their pants. They have no outline, no, you know, no idea where they're going. They're just, they just start writing. 
a, a plotter is somebody who has got reams and reams of notebooks filled with every nuance of every scene in the entire book. And they go from there and, and build it out. Me, I'm kind of in between. So when I start a new book, I know the skeleton of the, of the thing. I know the, the basic, the big moments, the big scenes, uh, what the setting will look like, what the emotions are, what's going to happen, how that's going to change the direction of the story. And then I go from there and I allow myself the freedom in between those major points to have some creative expression and, and see where the characters let me go and what they want to do. So some days about this series is that you have 13 characters. Right. That are locked into place. Right. And each of them has, if not subtle attributes, when you start, they have very broad, they're painted with very broad strokes. And then you get to work their specifics out as you go along. So, I mean, you put yourself in a position where you've solved a lot of your problems before you even start. How do you mean? By, by having these 13 characters well, and knowing what it is you know about them. Well, the great thing about the Zodiac Assassin, yeah, number one, I went to the Durham Comic Con and I walked up to a guy that does artwork for Marvel and, and we got to talking and he said, well, tell me about your book. And I said, it's called the Zodiac Assassin series. And he held up both hands. He goes, that is an amazing hook right there. And he's right. For marketing you know, purposes, it's a great hook. Yep. But Absolutely. it also very much helps me define, like you said, who these people are, because I've got, you know, the characteristics of each Zodiac sign to work with, and I can take the really dark side of them, and then I can, I, that actually gives me also the character arc for each book. So you'd go from the dark side of the Zodiac sign to the lighter side of that sign, and that is, part, that is a big part of what their, their arc is within that book is getting from that dark side to that lighter side. So it really has kind of got a baked in, uh, uh, baked in help for me um, to, to, to define the characteristics of each character. So that's a very good point. I hadn't really thought about that, but it's true. And I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> very grateful. <laughs> from the standpoint of a reader who is just getting to know this series, um, it annoys me that I want to keep going and take that in its most positive sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And there are, there are so many, you know, in, in the course of the, the 14 years of doing this show or however long it's been, um, there have been movies that I've had to watch, uh, and sat there afterwards and gone, I'm never getting that hour 42 back in my life. Yeah. It's been wasted. There, there are books that I have read where I have just pushed and prodded through them and plotted and gotten to the end and went, I missed the payoff or I fell asleep. I'm not sure which. <laughs> I've, been and, I've been there. <laughs> and, and I think we all have to, to some degree or another. And my fear in starting this book was that I wasn't getting a payoff. I was getting set up and then more set up and then weird set up and then set up that I wasn't expecting, which began with the word 
which began with the, the, the sentence, put one hand on the handle and with the other hand, hold your balls. And I just kind of went, wait a minute. <laughs> I love that. I love that scene. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I tried to have some fun with, with, with it, you know, uh, uh-huh. and try to interject some humor because that's just who I am. I'm kind of a snark queen. And I couldn't help myself. There's some there's some moments in there that I just had fun with. So, <laughs> so a- am I grudgingly going to say read this book? Absolutely not. This is a good book. This is a fun book. It takes it's you're going to have to work at it though. This is not a passive read at all. It's it's very active. I mean, it's very fast paced too. Yep. It just it just it just hits hits the ground running and just goes and there's there's some downtime you know some some um, sequent or sequel but not a lot you know and and that's part of what I like I like action adventure um, I mean I love all the superhero movies and I just I love it when it go 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 and things are exploding and blood is squirting and you know so yeah so I like I like that kind of stuff. So as we're finishing talking about this all i can say is this is a ride i didn't did not expect this this is a right and those are sometimes those are the best kinds because you get to throw your preconceptions out the door and say to the author okay i'm letting you take me on this ride but you better be nice to me and this book is very nice to the reader, but you gotta you gotta buy into it. And once you do, I can't wait to read book two now. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, don't forget the novella. Yeah, you gotta get that novella in there. That one point five. Well, you you know I'm not sure about that. If you say I have to, then maybe I should, and and maybe I will. I don't know yet. <laughs> Well, you know, I think anybody that writes a, a series, especially a big series, they are asking a lot of the reader to invest their money and their time and, and, and trust them to do you know, a good job and take them on a fun ride. And that's my job is to try to give that to the reader. So I'm glad the first book did that for you. I'm really hoping that if you pick up 1.5 and 2 and 2.5, that you feel the same way about that journey. And um, because I'm having a good time writing it, I'm trying to provide something that's unique, um, maybe something you haven't read before, um, or at least you know, it's not too derivative. And um, but yeah, it, it does. I understand it. It's a commitment to, to invest in a series that's going to be 26 books long. There are 13 main novels and just as many sub novels and novellas in the Zodiac Assassins series that are going to come out between now and evidently when hell freezes over. But we're going to wait for them because we've been talking to Artemis Crow and it's been a lot of fun. My 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 thought is go out and buy the damn things because these are really, really cool. And thank you, my dear, for coming on the show. Oh, Dom, I'm telling you, I really would love to become a five-timer club member. <laughs> like, Mr. like Mr. Watts, that would be that would make my day. So I'd love to come back sometime. Thank you for having me on. Thank you very much. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of GraniteCon 
Keen Comic Con, Plastic City Comic Con, BooksandBooze.com, and ComicArthouse.com. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. If you're looking for a really great gift for the rapidly approaching St. Swithin's Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. And My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is now available on Audible. I'm not sure where else you find audiobooks, but that's where I would go. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com. Try his hot sauce. I'm hearing it's pretty good, and I'm afraid to open my bottle of it. Our outro music, which is the music that you should be hearing now, is provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of the grooves on lawrencemademecry.com. And a big, big hello to JoJo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang tonight from the Peabody Time Tunnel, the sweetheart of the Sambork Kriana and Woman of Words Zombarian. Thank you, ladies. This is Dome saying... Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased, thus do we all refute entropy. We'll talk soon, Stacey. Enjoy the chaos. I know.